0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Two wide outs to the left, Mills in the backfield with Martinez. Adrian gets the snap, gives it off to Mills. Mills to away, he's to the 40, 45. The pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Who is still upset about the OPI called on the Dallas Cowboys last night? you've been able to shake that off yet? Just, just can't, just can't get rid of it. It just can't <laughs> get rid of the fact
1: of Jalen Ramsey out there flopping around like a fish out of water,
0: getting that call. Just can't believe it. Bad call, right? It bad was. Call. Man, I was hoping to see some OT. I know, because it was a fairly quick game. It was only like 10 after 10, and you're like, okay, that's all right. We can go OT here. it would be all right. Have some fun on opening weekend. But uh, the NFL, still two games to go, and they're about ready to kick off at the Meadowlands in front of nobody uh, as Pittsburgh gets ready to take on the Giants. We'll talk about some NFL a little bit later on here in the program. We're going to update you on what took place or maybe better off what didn't really happen today as it relates to the future of Big Ten football. Sam is going to join us in a couple of minutes from the Omaha World Herald. He has been tracking all the developments over the last 48 hours. Adam Rittenberg will be here for his weekly Monday visit. We'll recap the weekend in college football. Wow. What a weekend for the Sun Belt Conference. They go 3-0 against the Big 12, winning in Ames, Manhattan, and Lawrence. And... Two of the three, they won going away. The the game in Manhattan came down to the final minute, but the other two games, particularly the one in Ames, what an upset that was, and what a disappointment it has to be for Iowa State, uh, kind of falling out of the out of the shoot for the second straight year for Matt Campbell's team, as they just did not look good at all against the Raging Cajuns on Saturday. So we'll get the latest from Adam. Also, see what he's hearing about this Big Ten uh, possible. Uh, fall season coming up. We'll get all that from Adam coming up in hour number two. Ben, we'll recap the weekend. Busy weekend. I mean, you had college football. You had the NFL going on. Major League Baseball starting to round into some playoff forms. The NBA, the NHL. Uh, you had a bunch. U.S. Open wrapped up with their men's and women's champions over the weekend. So, really busy weekend in the sports world. Ben, will have all that for you in hour three. We'll also have our weekend winners coming up in the third hour of the program as well. But let's start with the latest. The... When we left you on Friday, we knew that there was going to be a meeting on Saturday with eight of the 14 presidents and chancellors, and they were going to hear from the medical experts, the Big Ten Medical Committee. Uh, Apparently, that went over very well, that a lot of the questions that were raised five, six weeks ago by the chancellors and the presidents were answered and so they decided to gather the entire group of chancellors-slash-presidents for a Sunday meeting, and that meeting went for quite a while. Apparently, they also heard from the Return to Play Committee. Um, I think they've even started to involve the television partners, but did not take, nor were they expected to take, a, a vote yesterday. They still want some answers, I think, about how the the mechanics of the return are, are going to be executed. Uh, and also, I'm, I'm sure they need some input from the TV partners. And I, I kind of think that's probably what happened some today, Ben, is that I, I'm i guessing the TV folks have gotten in the middle of this and said, well, we'd like to see certain matchups on certain dates and spread these out. And if what we're hearing is an eight-game schedule, well, they have to, they have to refigure that because the one that we – the one that had the big hoopla announcement back in early august was a 10 game big 10 schedule and well, now that's been carved to aid so they have to go readjust that for everybody all that i think takes time and i think that probably explains why we haven't heard an update today yeah
1: i think you know most everybody that's keeping up on this story have have felt like you know back to the old Twitter refresh mode every five minutes, kind of waiting for an update. I, you know, I I like everybody else. I'm getting impatient. I think we've been impatient for some time now, Um, knowing that there's even a meeting taking place, I I suppose is a step in the right direction. But, you know, at first we thought maybe Sunday would be the vote, then today we thought would be the vote. But, you know, you start to sort through all the logistics that would need to be, you know, talked about and discussed. It's understandable you know the amount of time that it's taken it's just it's we want to know we want an answer is this going to happen or is this not going to happen and so I I get it I understand the frustration uh for fans you know you hope that you know we get an answer here soon but um yeah I mean it's just you're just kind of sitting around waiting just like we have been you know for some time now but it just seems like um uh, you know, for me, where my head goes is I wonder what's all being discussed in those meetings because you know we're not going to get really any of those details until everything is kind of laid out for us. But you know, you try and sit and think, okay, well, you know, I'm sure TVs involved somehow. What what about game day protocols? What about travel? What about bye weeks? What about you know crossover? You know, all that stuff's going to have to be figured out. And so I understand, you know, that that if they do indeed move forward that there's going to be a lot that needs to be worked, worked through, but I like everybody else getting impatient.
0: Jeff Petrikas, who covers the Wisconsin Badgers for the Madison newspaper did get this quote today uh, from the university of uh, Wisconsin. Chancellor Rebecca blank saying quote, I will say we're all going to move together in the big 10. We're all going to play or not. If we possibly can, this isn't going to be a school-by-school school thing. Well, that quote came out a couple of hours ago, and that kind of set off a wildfire of reaction, uh, again, speculating that, well, do a couple schools who maybe don't feel comfortable playing, what, can they bring it all down? Um, I guess. I guess if you take that as, it, as it's worded, that's one way to read that quote, that if you have a one or two schools in the league that don't feel like that they should be fielding a team that, that nobody plays? Or do you say those, those if there's a couple that don't want to play, give their blessing for everybody else to play? I, I guess, you know, and here, that's what we've been reduced to. When you get anybody who's going to be in that room and raising their hand or not, uh, we're going to take every parcel of what they say and dissect it up 12 different ways.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the when you hear a comment like that, it makes you think, okay, you know, what about what what's more influential, those schools that want to play or the schools that don't? Because if 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 it's going to be an all or none type deal, somebody's got to win, right? Because you got you got parties on both sides. You think about schools like Rutgers and Maryland and Minnesota who really don't want to play, and then you've got the other side of the coin you know, with Nebraska and, and Ohio State and, and even Iowa who really do want to play, if it's an all or nothing, someone's got to win. So somebody's going to be unhappy with this situation. So, yeah, I get what you mean by, you know, you you try and dissect <laughs> dissect it around. And, you know, if what, what she says is the truth, well, someone's got to win. And so you're trying to figure out what side the needle's pointing to.
0: Right. Yeah. So that, that was really the only chancellor or president that made any comments to anybody today was – out of the University of Wisconsin, and and their athletic director, Barry Alvarez, the former Husker, had some pretty encouraging comments over the weekend after he was a part of the Saturday meeting saying, very productive, great presentation by our medical team. Uh, we feel like they really handled a lot of the concerns that the presidents and chancellors had six weeks ago, and they made the decision to uh, pull the plug. So here we are again in this holding pattern. Waiting for this to go it does seem like the popular date being thrown out there uh, for a restart is October the 17th um, that would allow you three Saturdays in October four Saturdays in November and then the talk is that there would be a bye week built in there for everybody so you would play eight games over a nine-week stretch, which would mean you would cover the first two Saturdays of December. And then on the third Saturday of December, you could have – you could have a conference championship game between the winners of the East and the West and then keep your postseason and bowl hopes still alive for all of that. Um, so that that's the latest date. Again, nothing firm, but the 17th seems to be and That, that would make some sense to me too, Ben. And also I think – if this, if this is the plan that moves forward, you're back to playing games on campus, which I think everybody would prefer. You know, the one thing, and, and I didn't bring it up nearly enough when we were talking about the dome possibilities, think about the cost that would go into that for the conference to rent those domes and the cleaning part of renting out somebody's facility to host those games in January or February or whenever they were talking about doing that. To me, it seems like you'd be spending – a ton back to what you were hoping to make so if they can get this done in october we'll have some football games at memorial Stadium this year and that certainly excites me
1: yeah i I mean i think is you know that would be best case scenario is to to be able to go go forth with that you know in 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 the campus sites the other thing about you know the dome situation is both teams would have to travel all the time i mean i mean that's you know the travel cost isn't isn't exactly light either and, you know, you think about a school like Nebraska or even those East Coast schools, you know, that's not exactly a, a hop, skip and a jump. That's I mean, it could, could be substantial travel. Plus, you'd, you'd be traveling into cold climates in the worst time of the year. And so who knows what type of travel issues you'd run into anyway. But yeah, I mean, I feel like that to me would feel the most normal, whether there's you know, zero fans in the stands whether there's, you know, five percent capacity, twenty percent capacity, that would be the most normal is to be able to go to, you know, these these campus sites and go to Memorial Stadium. And I feel like the games that I did watch this weekend, the crowd noise corresponded pretty well with the action. And I and I felt that was a lot better than I than I had thought it, it, it might be. And I think that uh you know that that to me would, would feel the most normal, being able to go to Ross ade Stadium, or you know, somewhere that I've been before to watch the Huskers play, as opposed to going to Ford Field a bunch and maybe go to Lucas Oil for a couple times. That that just wouldn't really feel like college football to me. I mean, I'm sure once the game started, it, it would, but I, I'm, campus sites to me, it, it, it's what makes it. You know, you've got the um, the ambiance around, you've got you know places that you're familiar with. So that to me would be best case scenario. But I, I, again. We'll,
0: just give me football somehow, some way. I'll be happy. You have some thoughts about this? Phone line is always open and available for you at 531 500 That also doubles up as our U.S. Cellular text line. If that works out better for you, U.S. Cellular. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers U.S. Cellular Connecting Husker Nation. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Fremont. and Brian, hello, Brian. You're going to lead us off tonight. Good evening.
2: Hey, guys. Love the show. Longtime listener.
1: Thanks, man. It's uh, on your mind tonight? I just
2: have a, I just have a comment. Like, okay, so you know, you got these other schools that don't want to play—Minnesota, Rutgers, you know, all these other schools that don't want to play. But you know, you got your big revenue makers like Ohio State, Nebraska, Michigan—all those guys. You know, say that we have a season. Do they get a cut of that revenue? Then that's that's what I'm like. If they don't decide to play, and you know, and they don't want to play, then. They shouldn't have any any cut in that revenue at all. But I, I, from what you guys were just hearing, I just heard it is that they're saying that uh, um, it's either all or none. So um, I'll just hang up and listen to your guys' comments.
0: No, that's, that's a great great question, and I don't know that they would, Ben. I mean, I don't know if you opt to opt out if you were a Rutgers or one of those schools, Maryland, and you say we're we're not going to field a team. I don't know how you can. Be a part of the football television money. You certainly, if you feel the basketball team, you'd certainly get a part of that. But I, I don't know how you would expect to be compensated if you don't play. Yeah, I mean that seems seems not right
1: to me, right? Yeah. You know, like taking advantage of of other people. You know, while
0: yeah, I that doesn't seem that doesn't seem right to me. But I don't know. All right, let's go to Lincoln. Stay in Lincoln, Matt. You're up next on Sports highly Good evening. Good evening, gentlemen.
2: uh Quick question. In the the week after the cancellation it was rumored that the decision um, about Big Ten football in the fall or the winter would be in lockstep with the Pac twelve. Well, since then the Pac twelve Pac twelve country is burning. Um, do you think that we're still in lockstep? Do you think that we've separated some? Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, great question. I was actually thinking about that that this weekend. There was a, there's been a lot that's happened, you know, with the Pac twelve and um, you know, I, I was actually talking to a, you know, former Husker baseball player, believe it or not, this last weekend. You know, just kind of about the day-to-day, who's who lives out in California and a lot of that state's still on lockdown. And with, you know, we we're kind of talking about the differences between Nebraska and California right now. And you got to think, you know, about Cal, U, UCLA, USC, you know, that that they're all Stanford all all affected by this right now and um I think right now the Big 10 needs to worry about the Big 10. This conference has enough uh, of shortcomings the last 6 months if they start making decisions based on what the Pac-12 is going to do that that's just going to make for a big headache you know get me get me us worrying about us before we start worrying about what Larry Scott and the Pac-12 are doing because who knows when when they're going to be up and running as you mentioned not only with with covid but with the wildfires and everything mm-hmm. else you're just you know that the, the status of everything's up in the air and you know the Big Ten's dragging its feet as as it is without hitching themselves to another conference so it, again, it it was it was appealing at the time when you were trying to piece together what what are we playing for. It made it seem a little a little better to have that Rose Bowl potential at the end. But I think we would all prefer it, you know, if we got to play and, and compete for a for a, a you know a college football playoff, whether Nebraska is involved in that or not. You know,
0: to be involved with everybody else, I think is the main goal. Matt, I my guess is that very question's probably being kicked around by the Big Ten presidents and chancellors. They're probably saying, Well, what maybe we just hold off and we we parallel our season with the Pac twelve, and you may have some others that are saying, Why, let's just go, let's get it in, let's play on campus. We have much worse weather in a lot of our locations than the Pac twelve does. I did see a comment today from Larry Scott, Pac Twelve Commissioner, said he doesn't think they could be up and running any time before mid-November. So that's that's where they are right now. Uh, but, that, again, that could be what's slowed the negotiations with the, the chanters and the presidents of Big Ten. They may be talking about that very thing about would we be smarter just to have kind of a quasi-season with us in the the Pac-12 and go a little later, or... But boy, I think I think Ben, if you go later, and like I said, the weather then becomes a factor, and you can't play on campus sites then. I think there's a lot of things that come
1: into play, Greg, about waiting. If you have the ability to play now, you need to play now. I think again, the number one goal needs to be we need to we need to make sure we're ready to go next fall. And, and if you're starting and, and waiting, you know, pushing things back, yeah, if you even start you know, as late as December, you can probably be done in a, in a sense to where you could be ready to go in August. But if you could start two months earlier, why not? That's more rest that your guys get at the end of the season to to recuperate for next fall. And, you know, on top of that, the, the, the whole idea of being separate, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but every game I watched, the Big Ten was mentioned like an outcast on every national telecast. Like, that that felt terrible to sit there and watch and have the Big Ten be singled out. Yeah. Look, I don't care if it's Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, whoever, I'd prefer it to be Nebraska. But having a Big Ten team in the conversation for a playoff sounds a heck of a lot better than it does playing Oregon for a Rose Bowl, you know, at the end of the year. So I look, I, I get it. I, I, I understand why the Pac twelve thing could make some sense, but Look, we need to get we need to get back involved with everybody else. We, we we can't be this outcast of college football and you know, I know the reputation's been terrible the Big 10. Let's try and repair some of that reputation by getting back to playing and and those teams that are good enough to
0: compete for a championship, let them do so. Amen to that. And I'm glad you brought up next fall and I think that's got to be kept in mind is The worst thing I think the Big Ten can do is do something that then damages your ability to play a full schedule next fall, and you're off kilter again, and you let this virus affect two falls, two football seasons, rather than just one. So I'm totally with you on that. Matt, great call. Thanks for the phone call. When we come back, we're going to sit down with Sam McEwen of the Omaha World-Herald. That's next. Welcome back Monday Night Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you had a good weekend. A lot of college football to soak up. We'll talk more about that at the top of the hour with Adam Rittenberg from ESPN.com. Right now, though, delighted to have Sam McEwen of the Omaha World Herald. You can also read Sam's work online at Omaha.com. Sam, always appreciate you stopping by the program. How about the last month for Big Ten football fans and for Husker fans? This thing's been like a soap opera, hasn't it?
2: It is. It is. It does seem like the soap opera is moving in a better direction than it was yeah. maybe two or three weeks ago. But um, it's encouraging uh, in that way. But yeah, it's it's absolutely been an absolute um, <laughs> drama, you know. And it's it's a weird one because you got to follow a lot of it on Twitter, and um, you don't necessarily get a lot of stuff firsthand. Um, it's it's just been uh, it's been a hard month, I'm sure, for everybody involved in Nebraska athletics. And they're just trying to steer this steer this thing into port, <laughs> and I think I think it's going to end up with a good result. But you, with with the Big Ten presidents and chancellors, you just never know.
0: How how big a factor do you think the lawsuit filed by the Nebraska players has helped advance this cause?
2: I think it's helped. Um, I, I would identify as the number one thing would be the testing. Um, I think in the Pac-12 signing that testing deal was was probably important in this movement because I think a lot of people are like, well, if the Pac-12 is making that move, then they're looking to try to get back. And and so the testing was probably big, but the lawsuit, I think, has played a factor in the sense that, you know, the longer that goes on, um, the, the more information the Big Ten has to divulge about its reasons. And, uh, you know, Ohio is starting to think about doing it. Uh, you have the Nebraska Attorney General uh, talking about looking into things. So there, there's just been a lot of, uh, there's been enough fire, I think, around it that the Big Ten couldn't just sort of disappear. Uh, they had to keep coming back to the table, and I think there, there's probably been a turning point, I don't know when exactly, last seven to ten days, where I think there was a thought process of let's try to do this as quickly as we can so we can get a season in and we, we, can, we can do this on a calendar or on a schedule that does not completely throw off uh, spring camp because as it stands right now, if you decided to have a spring camp, you weren't playing this fall and you decided to have a spring camp now, they were going to force you to not be able to do one next spring. So if you just have a season, it's smarter to just kind of do all that now and then not have to worry about it and just get back on the regular calendar for 2021. So, um, and I think 2021 based on the testing and, based on the things that we're seeing is it going to be a lot cleaner and a lot simpler, uh, than, than this season. So I think it, it was wise for the big 10 to reconsider and to try to get back into uh plan this fall. Again,
0: visiting with Sam McEwen of the Omaha world Herald. You can read Sam's work online at Omaha.com. Interesting comments today from the chancellor from the university of Wisconsin, basically mm-hmm. saying we're all in this together. We're all going to move forward. Um, Do you feel like that's imperative or is that a deal breaker? If one or two say we still don't feel comfortable with that, would that bring it all down or how do you read that?
2: Well, you could read it one of two ways. The first way is the lone juror, uh, way of, of reading it that, you know, if one school or two schools says they can't do it or they won't do it, they're going to keep everybody else from doing it. Um, I, I didn't necessarily read it that way. I read it the opposite way. Um, which was the, um, if nine or 10 schools vote to play football, the other schools are going to have to play football, that they're not going to, they're not going to accommodate certain schools just because, um, you know, it, it becomes difficult for those schools. And so uh, if they feel like they can all play and they can all play safely, they're, not going, to, they're going to figure out a way to get that done. I, 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 don't, I don't find there to be a ton of obstacles. If you can test as much as you want day after day, um, I don't see many, I don't see very many obstacles, Greg, uh, to to not playing uh, not playing the season. Uh, I think I think you can. I mean, that's really the bottom line is you want to be able to, you know, um, make sure the people you're putting on the field uh, are virus free and you're confident about that. And, and the antigen testing allows them to do it. So I'm not sure what the other arguments uh, would be. New Jersey's playing high school football in October. Uh, So I don't know what the argument would be against playing college football in October if the high schools are able to play.
0: You had a a great story last week about the Nebraska arrangement with UNMC to purchase the rapid testing device and getting the kits here. What
2: did you learn as you uh, dove into that story? Unsurprisingly, uh, Nebraska's done a terrific job of, um, you know, being out in front of everything. Uh, they went ahead and purchased through a company named Vivature, but they they purchased 1,200 Quidel tests. Those are antigen cartridges. You test it with a with a with a nasal swab that you can put in the front of the nose, which for anybody who has been tested, and I have, is a lot better than the back of the nose. Um, <laughs> you see, so you, you test in the front, and then they can get the results pretty quickly. They can probably process in a whole football team in about two hours, two three hours. Uh, you do that the night before the game, and you you know anybody that was isolated, you. would uh you know you'd isolate them test them again um, but that's a really good that's a really good system nebraska's ahead of the curve you know it's interesting they 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 uh they said that they bought 1200 in part to accommodate two teams and the reason i find that interesting is a maybe you do it because you want to accommodate another big 10 team b um you know maybe maybe there's some 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 wiggle room here over the next um you know week or so to allow some teams that feel like they're ready to play a game, let's say October 10th, to go out and find a non-conference game to schedule. If um, the Big Ten voted football back in, teams were able to go and start practicing this week. You know, it wouldn't stun me if Nebraska's like, we would like to play an FDS or a, a selected FDS opponent by October 10th. And I, I don't think that would be impossible. I mean, we just saw uh, who was it today. Louisiana Tech and BYU set up a game, I think, for October 3rd or something. And so there's teams out there that are willing to do it. I know the Missouri Valley has left their teams open to play a football game uh, if they want to play one. So there's, there's some options that Nebraska would have. And I'm just curious if the Big Ten's reboot would allow for, um, you know, a non-conference game to be played uh, at, at, at each team's discretion.
0: Do you get a sense of how close Nebraska feels like they are ready to play? Could it be two, three weeks? I mean, obviously, if it's, you're talking the 10th of October, that isn't much more than that, mm-hmm. is it?
2: No, it isn't. Um, you know, I, uh, Scott Ross told Tom Chattel last Sunday that three weeks. Um, which, if you know, if you started practicing uh, this week, um, you know, you you'd be at you you know you'd be at about three and a half. Uh, so yeah, you probably couldn't go much further than uh, than you know the start of Monday next week because the start of Monday next week is the 21st. So you'd have that week, you'd have um, you know the week of the 28th, the week of the the week of the 5th, and then you'd be in game week. So um, yeah, I would think you know if you get an answer this week, maybe you can do October 10th. Um, October 17th is I think very doable uh, for almost any team. I mean, if you again, if you if they voted it today or tomorrow. Uh, October, you know, today's September 14th. Well, they'd be playing a football game in a month. And if you go back and look at when training camps started uh, back in, you know, in a normal year, they start in late July, or early August. You're playing either, you know, late August, early September. They'd be on the same track. So it's, it's not impossible. Um, you'd have a pretty, You'd have a fairly comparable training camp in terms of length of time. You could pull it off. Um, anything shorter than that, you know, and it's going to be tough. But Frost says three weeks. They've still been practicing. They don't practice in full pads. But, you know, they're able to do the mental stuff. I mean, they can they can talk about They can do the mental stuff and process through that, run offense and defense and, and some of those things. But, uh, yeah, I think Nebraska would be in decent shape. You you know, the, I'm sure they took some lessons from Iowa State and Kansas State over the weekend. Neither one of those teams looked very physical in, in playing their games. They looked – they looked a little tentative, especially Iowa State. So, obviously, you want to come out and you want to play physical football. You want to play out going 100 miles an hour. And both of those teams, who I think, I mean, I think both those teams are comparable to Nebraska. Um, uh, Nebraska might be a little bit better than both of them, but not, not by a ton. Both those teams looked like they were going about 50, you know, 50 miles an hour. And, and I think they, they lost as a result.
0: Sam, it could be a wild week. We could get some, some finality on Big Ten football. We may also get some, some updated news on the college basketball season. It sounds like we may hear something as early as Wednesday on when they're planning on launching the college basketball season. Is that what you're hearing?
2: Yeah. You know, I think um, the people who are plugged in that I talked to uh, would say this, that, that it looks like November 21st or 26th, those dates are fine. The big question is going to be um, how many games? How many how many games is it going to cut down by? Because normally you'd start on November I don't know seventh, um, and what games are going to be lost? Uh, you know, so the theory is maybe Nebraska, for example, their schedule would be um, the tournament they're playing in. And gosh, I, I apologize for not knowing right off the top of my head what the name of that tournament is. Uh, and then Crete, you know, that could be their non-conference. And then their ACC Big Ten crossover game, right. um, So it, you might lose some, uh, you might lose some of that, that normal uh, padding that you would have of games that you feel like you can win. Um, that's going to be one of the bigger questions going forward. Is okay if you're going to play non-conference, and I think the teams want to do that. Uh, you know, how, how limited is that? How many teams is it? Which games do you choose to play? Um, I know you know you guys talk about Nebraska sports most of the time, but Creighton, for example, is in that battle for Atlantis deal. That's going to yeah. be uh, moved from the Bahamas up to uh, up to you know Sioux Falls, and they're going to play in that. You know, I mean that's just I mean that, that's just kind of a kind of a no-brainer. Um, Nebraska, I think you know they've got to figure out what games they'll be able to play. It's the Myrtle Beach Invitational. Correct, I think, and and I you know I don't know if they – the problem is can you play it? Can you play it in Myrtle Beach? Uh, can can that tournament be played down there? It's it's supposed to start right around the time the season was dark, um, and then you got the Creighton game, you got Kansas State in the, in the Sprint Center, wherever they call it now, and then the ACC Big Ten game. So if they can play in the tournament down in Myrtle Beach, then those are three games. If they can't. Maybe they play, you know, some of the other teams that they might play. The Cleveland State. Their, 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 their teams are Cleveland State, Purdue, Fort Wayne, Kansas City, which is UMKC, and Florida in A&M. So, you know, and Lamar. So maybe they play three of those teams or maybe they play the Middle Beach deal. But well, that's probably the question right now. And then do you need a bubble? Do you need one? Like, do you – can you just kind of, you know, can you just test the 15 guys that are on a basketball team – Three or four times a week, and call it good, so that you don't have to pull eight teams into one one facility and you know do it that way. Um, I don't know how closely you've been paying attention to it. To the extent I've paid attention to it, uh, air, airports don't seem to be a big you know breeding ground for the for the virus. Seems to be pretty safe to travel. So I could see you know some sort of some sort of setup where you know it, it, you don't necessarily need. Uh, to put everything in a you know an 18
0: complex yeah i think the rapid testing is certainly going to help basketball too i mean they can get up for breakfast test them and see if they're good to go and you're and you know for nebraska big 10 schools they pretty much charter everywhere they go so they're not even really jumping into a commercial airline now some of the smaller schools would fly commercial maybe to to come that's right Well, Sam, great to catch up. It's just been a wild crazy. I know Husker fans are probably worn out. I'm kind of worn out by it. I just tell me when and where, and let's get this thing going.
2: Yeah, closure is important, and I think it's most important for the coaches and the players. They deserve to know uh, when this thing's going to go so that they can mentally and physically reset themselves. Uh, I'm sure they'd love to play October 17th. Um, if that's the date, great. Um, if it's October 10th, great. Uh, I'm sure they'd be disappointed with Thanksgiving, but at least they don't. And so I think, you know, at the end of the day, the kids and the coaches really deserve to know what they're supposed to be doing. And the the longer this goes on, uh, the less time they have to know. So uh, hopefully they resolve it quickly.
0: Good stuff. Sam, as always, we appreciate it. Thank you. Take care college football is our main focus is always here on sports I mean none better to talk about that than adam rittenberg of espn.com who is in cloud nine right now i mean his his cubs throw a no-hitter his bears come from behind and win on sunday i mean i'm not sure how life could be much better for you adam than it is right now
3: well a big 10 football being back would be a nice a nice stop yeah but other than that yeah. uh, you know things are great that was a fun day uh, in chicago um you know it was uh, it was a rough one for the bears for most of the way and they they come back with an incredible fourth quarter, and then uh, and then they don't hit her. So, yeah, I'll take I'll take a Sunday like that any any week. Okay,
0: you cracked the door open. What is the latest? What's going? What is the latest on the Big Ten? And you, what are you hearing?
3: Yeah, not not a whole lot today, uh, Greg. And I was I, I kind of heard that this that today was probably not going to be the day that we heard a decision. I hope it comes soon. It should come soon. Uh, you know, the thing is, the presidents have heard a lot of information over the weekend especially the medical information, which uh, I am told is very impressive and has really changed and, and you know, should, should probably put uh, presidents more at ease with the idea of a return to competition or start of competition. Uh, Wisconsin Chancellor Rebecca Blank uh, told reporters today that you know basically that, a lot has changed since August 11th when they postponed the season, but uh, they have not formally voted uh, to restore uh, or to, to start the season. Um, And until that happens, uh, we're kind of in this waiting game. But I think the the return to competition task force, which included not only the medical group but the television group and the scheduling group, um, you know, uh, outlined how this can still work and how it can work in the fall and uh, ideally have uh, a season that wraps up around the same time that the other Power Five conferences do. How much do you think
0: watching games Saturday, particularly like the Notre Dames and the Clemson's playing –
3: has is, is that had an influence on these guys, you think? You know, I, I don't know how you can't, you know, not monitor it and just seeing how it, see how it's going. But I think they're also looking at, um, you know, those are some examples of successful games, but there's a lot of examples of postponements and uh, a lot of moving parts right now. And I think uh, that's why the medical piece is so important and really has driven all of the discussion around this uh, for the last few, few weeks. And I, I think the Big Ten ideally wants to get to a place where it has the testing and the other protocols set up so that you don't have interruptions, that you don't have uh, half your team in contact tracing a quarantine, uh, which has been a big problem around the country. And so um, I think you you certainly have to notice what's happening uh, in some of the other conferences and and their ability to keep their numbers down in some places. But I I also think that the Big Ten presidents feel like their plan, or the the Big Ten, I should say, feels like its plan, might be even better in terms of uh, uh, having an an uninterrupted or minimally interrupted season.
0: All right, let's get to some of the action from the weekend. Wow, what a weekend for the Sun Belt. How surprising or or not surprising were some of those results in your eyes? Yeah,
3: I mean, honestly, when you break them down individually, not that surprising. Um, You know, uh, Louisiana, Lafayette, and, and if you've been following what Billy Napier is doing there, Uh, you shouldn't be surprised. They won the conference last year. They won their division. And uh, you really probably have their best team coming back. And so, you know, I've been high on Iowa State. Uh, I think we've talked about it, uh, Greg, Mm -hmm. and and, and really been into that team. But I almost feel like I'm breaking up with them at this point because after last (laughs) year and the the loss on Saturday, it's just hard to be on that bandwagon because, um, you know, it's just been disappointing. But I think Louisiana Lafayette's a really good team. You know, Blake Anderson at Arkansas State has been one of the mo- more consistently successful coaches in the Sun Belt. The one thing that he was really missing, though, were these wins against the Power Five. And so that was, uh, you know, a big-wig win for Arkansas State against uh, a pretty solid Kansas State team. And then Coastal Carolina goes into Lawrence, and, uh, you know, it-, it wasn't competitive. I don't know how many people stayed up to watch that game on FS1, but they, they physically dominated Kansas. I mean, it just it just was it was uh, almost funny to watch. And so uh, you're certainly a-, a good win for Coastal. But, you know, Kansas, I think, really cementing itself at the very bottom of the power five right now.
0: Yeah, back-to-back years. Coastal Carolina has beaten Kansas. That game was supposed to have been a road game for the Jayhawks, but COVID changed a lot of things. I think I asked you last week your thoughts about the Florida State-Georgia Tech game. What about that game? What stood out when you watched that thing?
3: Yeah, I mean, that was a stunner. Um, You know, uh, Georgia Tech, rather, was picked last in the ACC preseason poll uh, you know, Jeff Collins. I, I, I think a lot of, of him, and I know he's going to recruit. And our is starting to recruit well. You know, their young quarterback Sims. They were excited about him, uh, but I, I thought Florida State would be, um, you know, too much on the road with, with some enthusiasm around the Mike Nor- Norvell offense. And you know, they, they score a touchdown on their first drive, and it's going well. And then the offense just didn't do a whole lot after that. And you give a cre- credit to, Florida, uh, to Georgia Tech's defense, Jeff Collins, has a background on that side of the ball, former defensive coordinator at Florida. And uh, Andrew Thacker is a really good young defensive coordinator as well. And, and they, they really uh, uh, made, made Florida State ineffective. And you just have to look at it now. I think it's four straight opening losses for Florida State. And the last three at mm-hmm. home, the first game of the, of the Willie Taggart era was that Monday night Labor Day game against Virginia Tech with all the hype, and they lose that one, and they blow the big lead last year against Boise State in a game that was scheduled to be neutral site, but the Hurricane moved it to Tallahassee, and then they, they lose this one. And uh, you just wonder if it, it just becomes uh, almost ingrained, and you have to figure out a way if you're Mike Norvell to, to change the, the attitude around the program. And you can't change all the players, but you have to change that mindset because it just seems like a place – and a program that despite the talent, when things go badly, uh, they seem to go badly in a hurry for Florida State. And uh, that's, that's going to be a problem for them going forward.
0: Sure does. Good momentum for Georgia Tech. They now play one of the prime games this week and the, as they host UCF. Well, what This has to grab your attention, this little matchup.
3: No doubt. And I think, again, for Georgia Tech, you know, they, they, they're feeling great about themselves. And, you know, they, their defense especially, you know, going against now UCF offense that, you know, has always put out or at least not always, but certainly in recent years, has put up a lot of points when Scott was there as the head coach. And then Josh Heifel's offenses have been among the national leaders in, in points and yards. And so this will be another really good test yeah, on a number of levels for Georgia Tech. How do they handle success? And then can this defense repeat its performance against uh, you know, arguably a better offense than, 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 well, I don't think even arguably at this point, a better offense than Florida State uh, playing on its home field there at, at Georgia Tech. So, yeah, interesting to see if they can follow it up. And then for UCF, you know, people kind of forget about a lot of the talk this year, in the group of five level is around Cincinnati or even Memphis that went to the Cotton Bowl last year, but you know UCF has kind of been the premier team in the group of five, and uh, you know maybe they can make a nice run here, starting with the with a win against Georgia Tech.
0: Adam, the primetime game Saturday night is is Miami at Louisville. What would you make of the Canes and their opener, and, and and how about this matchup on Saturday?
3: Yeah, really good quarterback matchup. You Two guys that, that are, can really move around and make plays. Uh, De'Eric King, it was great to see him back on the field in his debut for Miami. The Houston transfer had been through a lot in the past year, losing his father. Uh, mother was diagnosed with, with cancer, and, uh, and he's obviously having to make a transition from Houston to Miami. But uh, seemed to really uh, do a nice job in Rhett Lashley's offense. A new coordinator brought in by Manny Diaz from SMU to provide a spark. And I think you saw that a little bit. Miami, like Florida State, is a team that uh, has really struggled at the offensive line spots the last few years. And I, I saw a better Miami offensive line uh, against UAB last week, pretty good UAB defense. Running backs were, were, were finding room. Derek King was obviously creating. Now they got to go on the road to Louisville, which wasn't a very good defense last year, but should be better on that side of the ball. And Louisville can score. This will be a real test for that Manny Diaz defense, which is, which is pretty talented with Mikhail Cunningham and Tutu Atwell and that Scott Statterfield-led offense, which, uh, again, you know, the, the reason Louisville even made a bowl game last year was because of the big play and the offense because they just aren't there yet with their roster on defense. So I don't really know how this one's going to go, but it should be a fun game uh, between two programs that are trying to assert themselves uh, as, as you know, t- teams that are maybe in that second tier, you know, approaching the top tier of the ACC. It looks like it's going to be Clemson and Notre Dame, but who else can challenge? I think the winner of this game will, will feel like they can, they can play with almost anybody in that league.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting. Kind of the sign of the times, Adam was 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 Baylor over the last five days, right? I mean, they they yeah. lose their game to Louisiana Tech, and then was it Saturday they locked in Houston for this week? I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, they
3: locked in Houston, and it's uh, I think it's the Fox featured game or the noon game <laughs> on Saturday, and so yeah. uh, you, you you give credit to uh, those administrators. I mean, you know it like I do. These games are often scheduled like. 47 years in advance. And it just shows <laughs> when you're in a pandemic and you need an opponent, uh, you, you can get something done uh, relatively quickly. And I think this will be a, a fun game. You know, Dana Holgerson, Second year at uh, Houston didn't go great in year one. It you know, goes up to, to face uh, Dave Aranda in his debut as the Baylor uh, head coach. Baylor had a great year last year, made the Big 12 championship game, got to the Sugar Bowl. You know, they returned their quarterback, you know, some new pieces on defense. So excited to see how, how Dave does. He's a guy that I've known for many years. Back to his time as Wisconsin's defensive coordinator. And uh, excited for him to, uh, to finally get his opportunity as a head coach. Probably not ideal circumstances, but I think this will be a, a sneaky good game this week.
0: Unbelievable. Seven days out, you get a game booked. That's pretty crazy. want to ask you, last thing before I let you go, Army. I want your thoughts about Army. And I guess now they're in the market looking for a game, right?
3: Yeah, I got a call, actually candidly, from Jeff Munkin yesterday just asking me if I knew you know, they want to play somebody. They got this CBS uh, window on Saturday, this exclusive window. He's asking me if any of the big 10 teams you know, could, could, could get out there. And I, I reminded him, I said, you know, Def, Michigan says they can play in two weeks, but I think after, you know, they needed overtime to beat you guys, they probably don't want a part of army again, but uh, you know, they, they are scrambling you know, it's kind of like that, that uh, the, the uncle Sam wants you to, to play them this week because uh, they, they, they need an opponent. They they've had a really good start to the season. And uh, it's just a matter of of scrambling to find someone at the stake because that BYU game uh, was unfortunately postponed because of uh, uh, some contact tracing and some positive tests after BYU's opening win over Navy. And so, yeah, still uh, as as of this recording, I don't I don't know if they have anybody lined up, but hopefully Army does find someone. Crazy, and that's too bad.
0: That would have been a fun matchup with BYU playing Army. I'm sorry that that game's not going to take place. All right, uh, so your your home basin again this week. You'll just be covering the whole, the whole gamut, correct?
3: Yeah, yeah, it's going to be the way it is for a while. Yeah, um, like you said hopefully at some point we'll be able to get out and see some uh, see some actual live football, but uh, we'll be watching, and you uh, hopefully another fun week. And then we're only a week away from the SEC openers. Uh, on the 26th and hopefully we're just a few weeks away from the big 10 but uh, i don't want to i don't want to get my hopes up too much until there's an actual decision yeah stay tuned on that
0: adam we appreciate it thanks we'll talk again next monday
3: okay thanks greg
0: here we are sports nightly monday night after a busy busy weekend our weekend rewind coming up here in a couple of minutes. We'll have some open phones later on in the hour at five three one five hundred forty six eighty six. You can either phone or call or text. Uh, phone and call is the same thing. You can phone or, or the call text. either one. Yeah, either or one. Or you can text. Yep. That uh, phone line is our sports only hotline, which is brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Let's get the hour in the way with Threwind. See the game last night? Which game? Any of them. Oh, there's a cat. A black cat has taken the field. A black cat is running from the 20 to the near side, the 10. From the 39 in Dallas, here's a short throw down the middle, caught by Ingram.
2: Caught at the 35, went to the 30. Now the cat running the other way, and so is Ingram at the 30 to the 25. near the 24-yard line. They've stopped playing. The players with hands on hips are watching the cat run and zigzag all over the field. Now a policeman, a state trooper has come on the field, and the cat runs into the end zone. That is a touchdown.
3: Let's check out the targets. Steven Jackson, David. Reggie Miller's looking good. He shoots a three, and it's good. Later, he gets the rebound, passes it to the man, shoots it, and boom goes the dynamite.
0: It's the Weekend Rewind with Ben McLaughlin. College football, baby.
1: Let's hope before long that there's some Big Ten teams involved in here, shall we? That would just be phenomenal. We We would all like that, I think. huh? guess we'll find out
0: i'm still holding my breath man i don't know how much longer i can do it yeah you're underwater and you might need a you might need a life
1: vest here before too long holding <laughs> your breath under there well let's talk about the games that did happen this week shall we starting first with the first ranked clemson tigers they roll over wake forest 37 to 13 this thing was over after the first quarter trevor lawrence 22 of 28 351 and a score travis etn 17 carries, 102 yards, and a touchdown. Clums and rolls. you watch any of, the, of of the first ranked Tigers?
0: Um, just a little bit. Trevor Lawrence looked really good. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't watch a ton. I, I watched some. What else was I watching Saturday night? What else is? Oh, I was watching some of the South Alabama, Tulane, <laughs> and and Georgia Tech, Florida State, because of the rain delay, the lightning delay. They went way. They. They, they covered up about half of that Clemson game. So I was really kind of locked into that because I wanted to see Georgia Tech and Florida State. So I, I did not watch the number one ranked team a ton. Obviously, I will later. I wanted
1: to get my eyes on Spencer Rattler. Third straight year. Oklahoma's mm. had a new quarterback, and boy, did he look good.
2: Third and 10 from the 15. Rattler crossing pattern, caught, turning it up. he'll dance into the end zone. Touchdown. It's Rambo. Charleston Rambo, a touchdown. That looks familiar. Find me
1: in college football a better quarterback to wide receiver combo than Rattler to Rambo. (laughs) Can't do it. Pretty good, isn't it? Just can't do it. They hooked up four times for 80 yards. Rambo two scores through the air. It was a near perfect day for Spencer Rattler, 14 of 17, 290, and four scores as Oklahoma rolls up the Missouri State Bears, 48 to nothing, 31 zip after the first quarter.
0: Yeah, you know what? They totally put the took the foot off the gas because we had a buy sell question about teams getting over 50. I thought for sure they would, but they uh, must have gone to knees a bunch in the second <laughs> half. We'll get to one of those teams here in just a second. It was 10th-ranked Notre Dame
1: beating Duke 27-13. It was uh, Tim's three at the shot clock buzzer that airballed for the call in this upset. They did play well, though, for at least the first half. They were only down 10-6 at the break. Outscored 17-7 in the second half. Irish win 27-13. Not overly impressive. Ian Book looked pretty pedestrian. Big day on the ground for Kyron Williams. 19 carries, 112 yards. Two scores, also two receptions for 93 yards. So he was over 200 total
0: yards, was the Irish tailback. But 1-0 is 1-0. Cut, Cutcliffe, the coach of Dukes, really good. And I knew he would have a pretty good game plan. They certainly hung around that game. They pushed the Irish pretty good in that one. So I was not surprised. I think on our pick show, I said Notre Dame and Wim, but they wouldn't cover. And I think that's, what, that's how it ended up. One of the teams that did score 50, and they almost scored
1: 60, was the 14th-ranked Texas Longhorns. They beat UTEP 59-3. to three. Sam Ellinger, domination station, 426 yards, five scores for the Longhorns.
0: Boy, poor Miners. <laughs> the only bad thing, the only weird thing of that game is Texas had a player quit in the third yeah. quarter. And apparently he's back he's...
1: on the team now. Yeah,
0: he's back.
1: So, yeah, that's a, that was exciting. Um, former Husker commit Joshua Moore, who found, has found himself in a ton of trouble off the field, yeah. did contribute six catches and 127 yards for the Longhorns. Back to the ACC, Syracuse, 18th-ranked North Carolina. This was tied at half, just seven three-heels, but Sam Howell and company gets it rolling in the second half. 21 zip in the fourth quarter. They beat the Orange 31-6, to six, so good win for Mack Brown to start the year for his
0: 18th-ranked Tar Heels. That game went about the way I thought it would, too. I said that I thought Carolina would win but not cover. I think they ended up covering, but it was a huge fourth quarter that got them there. Um, So, Carolina's not bad. That quarterback's pretty good, Ben. He can can fling it. And he can run a little bit, too. So, Mm -hmm. good win for Carolina. Well, you mentioned
1: how that game thought went about how you thought. One game that did not go how any of us thought was at Jack Trice Stadium Ooh. as Iowa State battled Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, and an upset it was for the Cyclones.
0: Hand off to Regus. Oh, don't do them like that. Oh, raise your hands, bird. Raise your hands. <laughs> raise, your <laughs> hands. raise your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Touchdown, Louisiana. Thank you, at least. Finally, golly, golly. Now, that's the way you exclamation. Yeah. <laughs> that's the way you exclamation. That's the way you finish the puppy off. Golly! Ten seconds left to go. It's thirty to fourteen.
1: Good for them. Obviously having a lot of fun in the booth, and uh, as long as it's not at Nebraska's expense, it's it's kind of fun to hear those those broadcasters of smaller schools knock off the big guys. And boy, what a disappointing start for the Iowa State Cyclones. Thirty-one fourteen
0: at home. Matt Campbell. Ouch. Yeah, it's back-to-back years, high, high expectations and an early stumble for them. And they looked outclassed at times. I talked about that matchup with Adam last hour, and Adam said he's breaking up with Iowa State. Um, but he just said that Louisiana won 11 games last year, and they they came in there, and they were the better team, and they had a punt return for a touchdown, a kickoff return for a t- That was not a fluky win for Louisiana at all. And by the way, I think they're in the top AP top 25, and this week AP's only only ranking teams that are scheduled to play right now. And so Louisiana's a ranked football team after that one. Big win for the Raging Cajuns. App State beats
1: Charlotte 35 to 20. West Virginia, they're another team that clipped the fifty point mark, fifty-six to ten over eastern Kentucky, who's just no good. Just just not any good. The
0: the Colonels have,
1: yeah, they've not popped. Have they been demoted to private yet? (laughs) Yeah, I I think so. Geez, not a good start for the Eastern Kentucky crew. Back to the Sun Belt, and another Big 12 team goes down. This time at Bill Snyder Stadium, it was Arkansas State and Kansas State, and the Red Wolves providing a bit
0: of a shock.
2: From the A-State 40, A-State leading it, 35-31. One final chance for K-State. Skyler Thompson throws deep over the middle. It's incomplete, and the Red Wolves win. K-State has come in Manhattan, Kansas and knocked off the Wildcats of Kansas State. Our final score, Arkansas State 35, Kansas State 31.
1: So after nearly coming to Lincoln and beating the Huskers with Mike Riley at the helm, Arkansas State does go beat K-State on the road to start the year.
0: They had a wide receiver that's really good. K-State could not cover him. He just made play after play after play. That was a fun game. There were a lot of big plays both ways. K-State kicks a field goal with like 2.35 to go to take the lead. And then A-State comes right down the field, scores with about 40 seconds to take the lead back. K-State drove it down and got it to around the 30 uh, when the game ended. So that was a fun one. That was a fun game to watch. Yeah, a lot of excitement. Army beats
1: Louisiana Monroe 37-7. to 7. How about UTSA and Texas State providing – some of the most exciting football of the of the weekend. It was the Roadrunners beating the Bobcats fifty-one to forty-eight. Thanks in large part to how about this name, Sincere McCormick, the tailback for the Roadrunners. Sincere McCormick finishes with twenty-nine carries, a buck ninety-seven, and a touchdown for the Roadrunners, and they went it fifty-one to did forty-eight. You, did you watch much
0: of that thing? I watched I, the end of it. <laughs> so, I, the, <laughs> Texas State brings it. They're down six with like a minute 50 to go in the game and they bring a punt back for a touchdown to tie it and then their their <laughs> kicker missed the PAT that would have put them ahead by one with like 30 seconds left. And so then they go to overtime and lose. My goodness! He missed another kick in
1: overtime, and then
0: UTSA makes the kick. Not
1: not a good not a good day
0: yeah. for the old Bobcat booter. There, <laughs> he probably hasn't left his apartment.
1: <laughs> He's one playing 2K right now. Yeah, let's go to the ACC: Georgia Tech, Florida State. You mentioned this one a little bit earlier. Competitive game, but Ramblin' wreck. Finish on top.
0: One setback, three receivers
2: left. Terry split right. Blackman looks that way, scrambles away. He's at the 40, makes a man miss at the 35. He's hit from behind, ball pops loose. Jackets
0: have it. They have it on downs either way. It's a fumble, and Georgia Tech recovers.
1: And the Jackets would outscore the Knowles. 16-3 in the second half, and that was enough. 16-13, the final. Florida State 0-1 to
0: start the year. Did you, Adam, drop this last hour? That's the fourth straight year. FSU has lost their opener. How about that? Man,
1: that's another team that just cannot get off the deck
0: Mm -mm. from what's what's happened.
1: Jimbo Fisher got out of there just in time, I guess. Yeah, you almost feel like he kind of knew something, right? I mean, man. Man, yeah, not a good day for the Noles. It was a competitive game between Georgia Southern and Campbell. The Fighting Camels go for two. Mike Minters, Fighting Camels of Campbell falls short to Georgia Southern 27-26. South Florida beats the Citadel 27-6, to Tulane over South Alabama 27-24. That was a game that you mentioned you watched a little bit of as yeah. the uh, Green Wave beat
0: South Alabama by 30. It was the opening game of that stadium for USA. I remember last year when they came up here to open the season, they were talking about that their new stadium was being built and how much it was going to mean to their program. And they had a big lead in that game on Tulane and couldn't hang on. And uh, so that was a crushing loss for them. They were about to go to 2-0 because, remember, they won that Thursday night game over Southern Miss. Um, so, yeah, it's. That was, that was a tough loss for them. Tulane's pretty well coached. Willie Fritz got a new contract announced today stay at Tulane for a while longer. Many weren't sure Louisville would a- ever
1: be able to have an athlete like Lamar Jackson at quarterback. They don't have Lamar Jackson, but they have a young man by the name of Mikhail Cunningham who is as electric as they come, and he was on fire for Louisville on Saturday night.
2: Fitzpatrick split to the left. Cunningham, play fake, stands in the pocket, throws the ball straight down the middle of the field into coverage. Oh, it's caught by Fitzpatrick to the 30, to the 20. He may outrun him. He does. Oh, it was going to be an interception by the safety, and just as the ball got to him, Fitzpatrick scooted in front.
1: Des Fitzpatrick, another guy who had once pledged his commitment to the Huskers and went to Louisville instead. Mikael Cunningham, 343 through the air, three touchdowns. Louisville beats Western Kentucky 35 to 21. One of the most exciting games of the weekend, not one that anybody expected to be close, down in Lubbock, Texas. It was Texas Tech against FCS foe Houston Baptist. It was close, but Texas Tech got it done.
2: At the 18, throw on the slant, it's caught. And a broken tackle by Keyshawn Carter. And a touchdown, Red Raiders.
1: A failed two-point conversion for Houston Baptist, and they fall 35-33. Houston Baptist quarterback, Greg, throws for 567 and four touchdowns. HBU had a receiver go for 209 and two scores. That is a <laughs> leaky defense there for Texas Tech. Think about the fantasy points in that game. Woo! Yeah several several points there's also the amount of points that ku found themselves down they tried to get back into it in the third quarter
0: three receivers set one on the far side two on the here. it's going to be belton gardner around the right there side that's the seam to the 40 35 30 25 20 15 10 5.
2: touchdown
0: kansas no flags on the field. Six points on the board.
3: He takes it in from 61 yards out.
1: That was it. I mean, other than that call right mm, there, mm, nothing went mm. right for old rock chalk Jayhawk as the mm. chance go in there and beat him 38 to 23. Two years in a row that Kansas lost to Coastal
0: Carolina. It was 28 to three at half. I mean, it e. was it was domination by. The Chanticleers, who I think have only been playing football for like 16, 17 years. Yeah, they beat them back to back seasons. Wow. Yeah.
1: Bad, bad. And the, the other bad thing is Kansas is artificial turf. Now, there's not even any, any grass for less miles to eat this time. I mean, you had to just sit there and, and take it. And that's exactly what Kansas did.
0: No. It's not, not. working, is it?
1: No. Nope. The uh, publicity hires just it wore off, much like many of the hires at Kansas have. And Pittsburgh beats Austin P 55 to nothing to finish out our uh, college football coverage for the weekend. Let's jump into the NFL action. A lot of action yesterday in the National Football League. A lot that we were hoping to see. Seahawks Falcons got it underway. Russ was brilliant through the air for the Seahawks. Four touchdowns despite a big day from Matt Ryan throwing the ball 54 times and Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, big days for the Falcons, but the Seahawks win it 38 to 25 and start 1 and 0. Jets and Bills, good look at Josh Allen. He was on fire yesterday, 312 yards passing, two scores, added another one on the ground as the Bills beat the Jets 27-17. Jets with a bit of a comeback in the second half, but the Bills dominated the first half just too much. Really exciting finish in the NFC North between the Bears and the Lions, and for this rookie, it's an opener that he'll never forget for all the reasons. Field
2: goal won't get it done. 11 seconds to go. Stafford downfield, and his pass is dropped by Swift. He was in the end zone. The rookie linebacker, or the rookie running back, DeAndre Swift.
1: Boy, Matt Stafford drops it in a bucket in the hands of the rookie running back from Georgia, DeAndre Swift. Would have won Detroit the game. Goes right through the hands in the end zone. And Chicago hangs on thanks to Mitch Trubisky's three late touchdown passes. And the Bears beat the Lions 27-23. Stud. Man, how about that rookie? (laughs) He will never forget. We'll never forget that day. That's just tough luck there. In the NFC North again, Packers roll up the Vikings 43-34. Aaron Rodgers four touchdowns. Devontae Adams a monster day for Green Bay. 14 catches, 156, and two scores for Devontae Adams, the Packers, just carve up Minnesota's defense and hang 43 on them despite 24 points scored for Minnesota in the fourth quarter. Cam Newton looks strong in his Panth- er, Patriot debut over the Dolphins. 75 yards and two scores for Cam on the ground. They beat the Dolphins 21-11. It was the Washington football team. That's right, the Washington football team beating the Eagles 27 27- 17. Big day for Chase Young, first round pick for Washington. A sack and a half and a forced fumble. Greg, I don't know if you saw the highlight of his sack. He was double teamed. The running back tried to chip him. He spun off. He hurtled a guy. Wentz broke the sack. He then dove back behind and was able to corral him for the sack. his was the most athletic play I think I've ever seen from a defensive lineman. That dude is just an animal.
0: Just think about last year, having him and Okuda. I mean, those are (laughs) just not fair, (laughs) having those guys. They'll have a couple more first-rounders this year. He's going to be very, very successful in that league. Another success story
1: from yesterday was Josh Jacobs of the Las Vegas Raiders scoring three touchdowns. They hold off Christian McCaffrey and Teddy Two Gloves, 34-30 in Carolina. Big win for the Raiders. Philip Rivers making his Colts debut wearing a new uniform, but even a new uniform can't save old <laughs> Philip from costing the Colts in a big game.
2: Here they come. They protect Rivers. Fires and incomplete. And Hilton can't believe it.
1: The Jacksonville Jaguars, who are projected mm. to win the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, win over the Colts 27-20. Philip Rivers throws a couple of picks, one of them to former Wyoming Cowboy Andrew Wingard of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And how about that? Duval, the Jags, beat the Colts 27-20. Not sure
0: how Austin's feeling. Can't imagine it's very good after oh, that. Oh, he's got to be curled up in a ball back there in the old studio. I mean, come on. You can't lose that game. Bad, bad.
1: Thankfully, we don't have any Browns fans because they would be curled up in a ball as well. They're, they're already in the fetal position uh, expecting a big day with Lamar Jackson, the MVP, and he lived up to the form. 275, three touchdowns for him. They beat the Browns up. 38-6, Baltimore improves to 1-0. Chargers and Bengals, Joe Burrow's debut. He calls his own number for his first NFL score.
0: Again, this at the 44 of LA.
2: Here comes posted. Here comes the quarterback Burrow looking for a block and he got it up in the front by Hopkins into the end zone. Touchdown! What a skipper! Called his own number and streaks for 23 for a touchdown for Cincinnati.
1: Chargers do win the game 16-13. They outscore the Bengals 10-zip in the fourth quarter, but Burrow looked okay. He didn't look completely overwhelmed. It gets a pretty good Chargers defense. Uh, but a 23-yard touchdown run for his first NFL score. Chargers over the Bengals, 16-13. TB12 getting it underway for the Buccaneers. He got out to a great start going right down the field and scoring on the Saints' defense, but New Orleans just too much in the end, 34-23. Two picks for Tom Terrific. One of them brought back to the house, 34-23. New Orleans gets off to a good start on their season.
0: I think that's three straight games for Tim's all-world all, of, uh, all world player that he's trying to pick six
1: yeah you just hate to see three it straight it yeah if
0: you're a Brady guy you just
1: you just hate to probably see should
0: just stop playing yeah we're on to Cam Newton that's all I'll say
1: <laughs> yeah struggled with the old with the old Dolphins but hey wins a win I suppose also no apologies for the Cardinals and their win over the Niners 24-20 Cardinals over the nfc champs from a year ago pretty good day for kyler murray got it going late how about deandre hopkins in his debut 14 catches Ooh. and 151 yards for nuke and uh, kyler murray added 91 yards on the ground with a touchdown as well so good win for cliff kingsbury and the arizona cardinals we'll finish it out with the cowboys and the rams 2017 la after a phantom offensive pass interference call prevented overtime Big win for the Rams at their first game in their new stadium, 2017, over the Cowboys. NBA Finals from the weekend. It was Lakers over the Rockets, 119-96 to wrap up that series. LeBron James, 29 points, 11 boards, seven dimes.
0: Lakers moving on. Not surprised. They, they've they lost one game in each of their first two series, but they, uh, they look pretty good. They're kind of rounding into shape here heading into the conference finals. On the other side, those Denver Nuggets just
1: won't go away. They beat the Clippers 111-98. They're forcing a game seven, Greg.
0: Tomorrow night, game seven, Nuggets-Clippers. I I think I like the Clippers, but it's going to be close. I predicted this last week on buy-sell. I said this series would go seven. How about that? There you go. Seven
1: games it goes. NHL action in the playoffs in the Western Conference Finals. Game four, Dallas beats... Vegas 2 to 1. They go up 3-1 in that series. So Dallas has that all but wrapped up. So good win for them and it was the Lightning beating the Islanders 4 to 1 and they lead that series 3 games to 1. So looking like a Dallas Tampa final. How about Ooh. two warm weather uh climates Greg with Dallas and Tampa Bay. No Canadian teams headed to the cup.
0: You know, and you're you're a Tampa fan. How disappointing is this if you if you're a fan of one of these franchises and you're making this magical run and you can't be a part of it because you can't go to a game? Yeah, those those atmospheres
1: in Tampa can get pretty
0: electric, especially. Yeah. The, I mean,
1: they're that way everywhere too in the playoffs. But yeah, just really, really too bad. Which is just a, you know, it's a bummer for for those fans that you know who follow the team all year and go through COVID and you can't watch your team play. Just really right. too bad. Uh, Major League Baseball action over the weekend, um, nothing too crazy to report. Yankees and Orioles with a pretty competitive series. The Braves and the Nationals, just no pitching at all in, in that series whatsoever. Uh, the Nationals uh, behind Juan Soto and uh, Trey Turner just dominate the Braves. And the Royals beat, beat up the Pirates 11 to nothing. Cubs over the Brewers 12-zip yesterday. And getting close to playoff time as Major League Baseball begins to wind down. And Mookie Betts Homers again yesterday for LA in the World Series rematch with the Astros. And we'll finish up with some tennis, shall we? Boy, what a finish it was on the men's side.
3: Again, second match,
0: team. It's Dominic Teams time. Two six, last four, man six, standing six, four, at six, the U.S. Open. Seven, flat on his back at the moment. First of his generation to join the Grand Slam Champions Club. A fresh face. What a fight!
1: So, team wins the men's side. Osaka wins the women's side. Really good tennis yesterday.
0: Somebody other than Federer and Djokovic finally wins a men's major. Now, Federer and Nadal weren't even entered. Jokovic Djokovic got ejected last week when he hit the linesman with a tennis ball. So that's why kind of by default, the team was the number two seed. So not a huge shock that he was able to win that. It. it was a battle of two and three. And going back to baseball, you had the Alex Mills no-hitter for the Cubs yesterday. So baseball, right. got, baseball got under no-no. Buy, sell, potentially, whoever yeah. came up with that
1: question. Pat yourself yeah. on the back, which I'm doing right now. That was you, right? How about the Brewers almost getting no hit twice in one year? Kenton Maeda takes it two, out, two outs in, in the ninth, and then Mills, I think it was on like his 114th pitch, gets the no-no yesterday.
0: You know, he pitched in Omaha. He was with the Storm Chasers a couple years ago. Mills yeah, was. Not a
1: Mills fan at all after his comments after he beat the Royals like second week of the year.
0: Yeah. All right, good stuff. Busy weekend. They're going to be that way for a while. Thank goodness. Kind of the sports world is coming back. We're back Monday night, final few minutes of our show here on Sports Nightly. Time to announce this weekend's winners. Ben, you want to lead us off?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. Um, if we've talked about it already, but, man, my winner is Sunbelt Conference football. The, the, the weekend that they put together, knocking off two Big 12 teams on the road,
0: getting the name on the map. Congratulations, Sunbelt. Great. 3-0 and against the Big 12. How about that? And they're the prime example, Ben, of what you've talked about. And people have get, get on us when we talk up other teams that you're playing from these smaller conferences, and you're like, they got three or four really good players that are probably going to play in the NFL. And everybody's like, oh, you always say that. But you, if you watch any of those games, you saw some really good football players on all three of those teams, Coastal Carolina, Arkansas State, and Louisiana Lafayette. 100%. Congratulations, Sunbelt. Good for them. All right, Tim Curran.
2: Well, uh, my weekend winners uh, was actually my entire fantasy team, Suryat's Inside Source, posting the most points out of anyone, that's right, anyone,
1: in the Sports Nightly Fantasy League, and I gave uh, the Ormond Robots a complete drubbing. Uh, Austin sat next to me, is still wiping away the tears from the 168
2: to 114 beatdown I, I, I let him. So uh, everyone put up double digits. Uh, very excited, very proud of my team. I drafted well, and uh, that trophy is mine.
0: So you edged Josh's team, huh? Yeah, by like two hundredths of a point, but yes. <laughs> Congratulations, Tim. <laughs> I'll take
1: that in stride. I'm, ready. I'm, on to, I'm already on to Cincinnati, just like Bill Belichick. I'm just who, on to the next one. Who do
0: you play this week? Have you even looked that far ahead yet? Uh, I have not because I'm, I'm, I'm so All right, I'm looking in. I'm looking at our scoreboard. Josh whipped me bad, just drilled me. Uh, we've got uh, Mick. Oh, Mick's game's not over yet, though. He's playing Bando, and Bando still has somebody to play tonight. This can be close tonight. Um, our fan is it Lamar Dinkins? Lamar, yeah, that's right. He is. He well, he and Brett are in a tight one. Both with a player to go later tonight. Ben, you're going to hold off Searle's team. Looks like. Yeah. So you're in the win column, and Tim takes care of Austin. So there's. Your I had a lot of my guys race.
1: underperform, and if we can get uh, get a, uh, you know get off with a win
0: without even playing our best i'm happy with that yeah saquon didn't is hasn't done much for you tonight in that that late game all right my winner is stewart sink this was the first tournament for the new golf calendar year it was the safeway open in napa stewart sink won for the first time in 11 years on the pga tour his last win was the 2009 british open when he beat tom watson in a playoff stewart sink Considered to be one of the better guys, better better human beings on the PGA Tour. Everybody pretty happy for him. Great to see him do that. He's had some skin cancer. His wife's been dealing with some breast cancer. So it was fun to see the 47-year-old host tr- hoist a trophy yesterday out of Napa. And now, Ben, in this wacky year of 2020, the golf world will turn its attention to Wingfoot in New York for the U.S. Open, which starts in three days. How about that? Man.
1: Yeah, got to love it. Second
0: tournament of the of the season. Major. Good luck, boys. Pretty cool to be seeing a major tournament. And then of course the Masters isn't until November uh, when that'll happen. So you've got the U.S. Open this week and then the Masters. So still two majors coming up. You had the PGA last month uh that happened with Colin Morikawa winning that major championship. Dustin Johnson steamrolled his way through the FedEx Cup playoffs, and now you have the U.S. Open this week in Wingfoot. This was one of the sites of a Phil Mickelson meltdown. Mickelson has yet to win the U.S. Open in his illustrious career. He had a lead, I think, playing the last hole at Wingfoot the last time it was there, and he took out driver and hit it OB and uh, ended up losing the uh, the tournament. So Mickelson's back. He even had some fun on Twitter, Ben, about saying something about uh, he's like a 30-to-30 a, ten, a thousand to one to win and he's like trying to urge people on to bet him so he's <laughs> get having, me in on those odds baby he's having some fun with that all right tomorrow night here on the program head baseball coach will bolt will join us looking forward to hearing from the skipper we'll hear that the latest on the big 10 news hopefully we have more news tomorrow night to deliver for you on that and we'll have our top 10 tuesday topic which we've not yet decided on but we'll get we've got 24 hours to figure that out or 20 23 hours now to get that figured out that'll do it for tonight's show thanks to ben to tim to austin all of you for being a part of this one enjoy the rest of your night enjoy your tuesday we're back with you tomorrow night here on sports nightly